Welcome to GW Integrative Medicine, the podcast about disease prevention and health promotion from the Office of Integrative Medicine and Health at the George Washington University School of Medicine and Health Sciences. I'm Dr. Lee Frame, Director of the Integrative Medicine Programs here at GW. And I'm Janet Rodriguez, the Office's Administrative Director. Today, we're going to talk about zinc, the immune system, and chronic disease with Dr. Emily Ho, who's the director of the Linus Pauling Institute and a professor in the College of Public Health and Human Sciences at Oregon State University. The Linus Pauling Institute is a world leader in the study of micronutrients, phytochemicals, and other dietary factors, and the role these compounds can play in promoting optimum health or preventing and treating disease. Dr. Ho's research focuses on understanding the mechanisms by which nutrient status and healthy foods affect the initiation and or progression of chronic diseases. It's great to have you back with us, Emily. Welcome back to GW Integrative Medicine Podcast. Thanks for having me again. Absolutely. We had such a a great time last time um, and look forward to having you back again for a future podcast as well. So I guess we'll just get right into it. We're talking about zinc today. So what is zinc and why aren't we all getting enough of it or are we? Um, and why is zinc necessary? All right, let me start with what is zinc. Um, so it's one of our essential micronutrients. It's a, a mineral or, or a metal. So it's an inorganic compound that you find um, on the periodic chart. And if you remember back to your high school days, uh, the periodic chart, zinc is kind of in the middle, and it's a grouping of metals that are called the transition metals. However, uh, zinc is really unique in that uh, it's one of the transition metals that that don't transition. And this allows zinc uh, to act in the cell in uh, in a really unique way. It acts as a really unique uh, stabilizing factor, and cells really rely on the stability for maintaining um, their optimal function. So zinc is a part of over 300 different enzymes in the body and is associated with thousands of other proteins and transcription factors to help them do their job. So zinc is really important in a whole wide variety of functions um, in the cell and in the body. Um, at the cellular level, um, any cell that needs to divide needs zinc. Um, cells that need to metabolize nutrients and talk to each other, they need zinc. Um, At the body function level, a lot of the systems that rely on zinc are systems that require uh, rapid cell division or differentiation. So processes like our growth, reproductive function, uh, brain function, wound healing, and immune function in particular are things that zinc really needs to, to function well. Now, our bodies need zinc uh, for a couple of reasons. One, our bodies can't make it. Um, and two, unlike a lot of our other essential nutrients, uh, we don't have a great capacity to store zinc. So we really rely on regular intake to support all of these functions uh, that zinc has within the, within the body. Yeah, so, so zinc's one of those nutrients um, not dissimilar from from vitamin D that touches on so many different things that it's it's kind of actually difficult to get a handle exactly on what zinc does because it does so many different things. Right. But um, that's uh, one reason why we like to study it as, as well. But again, um, 
a lot of the systems that that do need zinc more tend to be ones that have a lot of rapid response or need to respond really quickly. So that's why um, the immune system in particular is one of the systems that becomes very uh, dysfunctional when you don't get enough zinc. So Emily, healthcare consumers usually associate zinc with helping um, to stave off the common cold, but it's it sounds like it's so much more than that. What does the current evidence tell us about zinc and chronic disease? Now, that's a great question. So getting more onto the, the cold question still. So when we think about fighting off a cold or, or any other infection, there's a lot of things um, that you need to consider. Uh, you need to consider what zinc may be doing in terms of the virus. But more importantly, we also need to think about what zinc may be doing in the host. So in respect to infections, um, zinc is thought to have some antibacterial and antiviral activity. Um, But when you're thinking about the host, you really need to consider the immune system. The immune system, as you know, is an extremely complex system with lots of different moving parts. There's uh, barrier function uh, in terms of our mucous membranes, uh, physical barriers in our lungs and our our gut and other organs, uh, our innate immunity, which is more of the the general defense mechanisms, and our acquired immunity, which is uh, our more specific defenses like with T-cells, antibodies, and that type of thing. Zinc plays a role in every piece of that. So when you're not getting enough zinc, you're going to take a significant hit um, and uh, on your immune system, which is going to markedly impact your ability to, to fight off infections. So the question is, uh, when you are getting zinc, how is that affecting both those sides? Um, And it's very clear when you don't get enough zinc, your ability to fight off the cold um, and many other infections is going to be really, really compromised. When you look at prevalence of zinc deficiency, so currently the uh, World Health Organization estimates that zinc deficiency Um, affects about a third of the population. Um, Developing countries are going to be the most hardest hit, um, but even in uh, more uh, developed countries like the U.S., uh, zinc deficiency is an issue, and it really flies under the radar in terms of a a prominent uh, micronutrient deficiency. Uh, The U.S. does have less severe deficiencies, um, but uh, even these marginal zinc deficiencies that we do see here in the U.S. um, are going to have a significant impact on on health, especially with respect to uh, immune function and your cell defenses. Right now, um, the data suggests about 12% of the population isn't uh, getting uh, the RDA or the recommended daily allowance, which is 11 milligrams if you're a, um, a male uh, adult male and uh, eight milligrams if you're female, um, that number skyrockets to over 40% um, in individuals that are older, who we also know are the same populations that are going to be more susceptible to infections. Um, those older adults also, uh, we know that they don't absorb or distribute zinc as effectively, so they kind of have a bit of a double whammy in terms of their susceptibility to zinc deficient. 
um, status. So the question is, uh, when you take zinc, um, are you helping, uh, taking zinc is going to be a really effective way to help prevent um, zinc deficiency. Um, however, what's not quite as known is if you're already zinc adequate, um, if you take more zinc, if that's going to help. Uh, one of the Achilles heel of the zinc nutrition community is that we don't have great biomarkers for zinc deficiency in that uh, the test that we use um, is not very sensitive. So we really think that zinc deficiency is, again, kind of flying under the radar and maybe really uh, underdiagnosed um, in the clinic because we don't have these great tools. But this also causes a problem uh, when we're trying to study you know, effects of zinc supplements because you don't necessarily know what you're working with. So in a lot of the trials that we see with colds or other infections with zinc supplementation, it's not surprising that we see uh, a whole wide variety of responses from doing nothing to hurting uh, to, 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 hel- to helping. Bottom line is uh, really important to make sure that you're getting enough zinc, but getting extra zinc in terms of fighting the cold, it's, it's not quite as clear. So you kind of alluded to this. Um, if, if you're getting too much of a nutrient, as we talk about often, it, that's not good either. Uh, what are the signs and symptoms or concerns with getting too much zinc? Now, that's a great question. As with many things, you can get too much of a good thing. Um, Zinc, um, again, because of its chemistry and its stable chemistry, um, by itself, it's actually not terribly toxic, but it does tend to interact with other nutrients that our bodies need, um, especially some of those other transition elements uh, like iron and copper. So what uh, happens when you take too much zinc is that you impair your body's ability to take up these other essential nutrients. So excess um, zinc causes copper deficiency, uh, which has its whole uh, host of of problems in the cell and could also cause iron deficiency as well, which also has numerous um, health uh, implications. Currently, the recommendation for zinc uh, in terms of the upper limit is 40 milligrams of zinc per day. Um, So you should try to not take supplemental zinc um, in excess of, of those amounts. And related to that, so if we're if we're taking zinc for, you know, you've got all those supplements out there now that are are designed to prevent the common cold. And if you're taking those zinc supplements, and maybe you're getting a little bit in your multivitamin, and you're someone who is also getting enough in your diet because I don't know, you eat oysters every once in a while, and you're out there getting a, a nice diverse diet. Um, is that a concern, or are we more talking about large doses, or maybe this is more of an argument for getting things from food first? Um, I would say all of the above. Um, certainly advocate um, the food first, um, though at the same time, um, there are going to be certain populations that are going to need a little bit of extra help to make sure that they're um, d- getting enough uh, zinc. Uh, so for example, vegetarians. Uh, so when you look at food sources of zinc, uh, where zinc normally resides in our diet are protein-rich foods. They, they follow protein. Um, again, all those proteins that, that require zinc. Um, if you're exclusive vegetarian, though, um, 
a lot of those protein sources for zinc um, also contain another compound called phytate. Uh, phytate is, uh, the chemical name for it is inositol triphosphate. Uh, it's a highly negatively charged molecule that likes to bind up um, divalent metals. Um, so zinc is a divalent metal. So when you consume um, phytate-rich diets, you will bind up the zinc um, within your GI tract and make it um, unavailable for absorption. So it's estimated um, that your net absorption of, of zinc will be as much as uh, 50% lower. Uh, so which means if you're a vegetarian, you need to eat 50% more. So if you're a female, for example, instead of eating eight milligrams to meet your requirements, you're going to need to eat 12 milligrams uh, to meet your requirement, which um, in some cases may be more difficult uh, through food. So you may need to supplement. Um, you do need to be careful though, again, of that 40 to 50 milligrams of zinc per day combined uh, through food, through supplements. So if you are getting enough zinc uh, through your foods, that supplemental zinc um, in addition to uh, a multivitamin may, may be too much. It may limit your ability uh, or cause you more susceptible to some of the ill consequences of, of zinc excess, including uh, copper deficiency and, and iron deficiency, which also have implications on your immune function. Right. Absolutely. It's a, it's a symphony and we need to keep it in balance. Yes, absolutely. So very much related to that, we've been hearing a lot about um, zinc being able to, possibly being able to inhibit SARS-CoV-2, the virus that causes COVID-19. Can you tell us what we might know about that? Yeah, no, this is a really hot topic, um, especially right now. Um, and a lot of the things I talked about relative to the cold virus also applies to the SARS-CoV-2 and COVID-19 susceptibility. Um, so Again, we know that zinc is known to have um, some antiviral uh, activity, um, specifically by inhibiting enzymes called um, RNA polymerases, which are needed for viral replication. Um, it, there's also some thought that zinc may also block uh, receptors um, that viruses use um, in terms of um, uh, causing infection. Caveat, a lot of those studies are done in cell culture. Um, so there isn't uh, a lot of evidence that these uh, antiviral mechanisms um, occur um, in people. Um, and it really comes down to uh, what, uh, what is zinc doing when you, we take these zinc supplements? Um, is it getting to the right place? Is it getting there at the right time? Um, is it getting there at the right dose? And these are all still unknowns. Um, there are many cl clinical trials um, that are out there currently in terms of looking at uh, zinc supplementation um, and uh, COVID response. Um, what's clear from a whole host of, of, of studies that are still ongoing is, um, again, that preventing that deficiency is going to be critical um, in terms of uh, making sure that your immune response is, is adequate. We also know that zinc deficiency also is advantageous in terms of viral replication. But again, um, in a lot of these trials with our patients, we don't know what we're starting with um, in terms of are we, when we give that zinc supplement, um, are we restoring um, zinc adequacy or are we actually truly uh, giving um, extra zinc? Um, and similar to the, the cold, um, the question of whether or not if you're already adequate and extra zinc 
is helpful is is a little bit unclear. Um, a lot of the trials have have mixed results. Um, one thing that I will say, though, um, according to the um, data that, that I've seen, um, that there does appear, appear to be some benefit in terms of zinc. Um, the likelihood of that benefit does appear to be earlier on um, in the infection, though, either in terms of preventing infection or preventing uh, progression early in the disease. Uh, bottom line, there's still a lot to learn. Again, the fact that we don't have a great biomarker for zinc deficiency to know, um, you know who might be susceptible individuals um, and people that might better respond to zinc supplementation in terms of COVID-19 infection, uh, we just, we're a little bit of a black box there. Um, so there's, again, still a lot to learn. Um, another take home though, it's, it's still very clear that zinc alone is not going to be enough uh, to prevent or cure COVID-19. Uh, it's a complicated infection. Um, again, getting back to that symphony, uh, there's going to be a lot of factors uh, that, that come into play. That's helpful. It sounds like, uh, you, so you said we need to get the right amount to the right place, and, and we're having a hard time figuring out what the right amount is because we, we don't know where everyone is starting. Um, but one of the things I've heard a lot about is location. So people have been talking about, you know, you really have to do the oral lozenge of the zinc, or is taking a supplement, a capsule, for instance, is that sufficient? Or is really just getting in your food sufficient? Does any of that really matter? Do we know? We don't really know. Um, unlike a lot of the, uh, we've known about zinc in terms of its essentiality in humans for for many, 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 many decades. We still are not clear precisely in terms of you know um, of all these proteins and factors that need zinc. Um, how our body really partitions and shuttles zinc um, from food uh, to that very specific cellular lo location. That's still a little bit of a, a black box, um, which limits our ability to be able to design effective kind of targeting strategies. Um, it does appear um, that uh, there's a limit in terms of, of high-dose zinc um, Supplementation. So, if you take a big supplement, your body already does some mechanism to limit how much gets in. Um, so, you'll excrete quite a bit. Uh, but it's really not clear in terms of there's many different. Even when you think about supplements, there are many different forms um, that either are conjugated to salts. Um, there are also uh, another hot topic, um, especially with COVID-19, is the use of these um, ionophores um, that may help target zinc um, inside the cell. Um, and again, it, it's just not really clear how these all work, um, where the target is, how to get cellular specificity, um, specificity to, to the virus and the immune system um, and not all the other spots that zinc goes to as well. Um, it's still... Emily, one of the things that, that all of what you and Lee have been saying um, through this conversation just sort of jumps out at me is because we know zinc can be helpful at specific stages of um, the, you know, trying to not get the coronavirus or in the early stages of it, do you think we're going to see more interest in studying zinc and, and maybe getting to 
this this biomarker you you've referenced before? That's certainly my hope, um, and I think especially. Uh, one thing that uh, we're very passionate about at the Alliance Polling Institute is this concept of, of healthy aging. And for zinc in particular, the current recommendation, um, if you're 18 or if you're 100, is, is the same. Hmm. Um, but, and, it, and it's clear that as you age, uh, that there is some some hurdles that you have in terms of getting your zinc. Um, one, b- because you tend to eat less, um, but also your body uses it in a not as efficient way. Yet the current RDA doesn't uh, doesn't reflect that. Um, and similar to calcium and vitamin D, I would certainly advocate that zinc also falls into the category of, of needing uh, an age essential uh recommendation, uh, especially given that this is a population that is most susceptible to uh, consequences of, of infection. So, Emily, I know uh, you all just had a webinar concerning dietary components and health span, um, and the next one coming up is near and dear to our hearts here on the podcast, which is Diet and Optimal Health, the Role of the Gut Microbiome. And, I, and Lee, I think you're going to be one of the speakers? Yes, I'm very much looking forward to it. Yeah, when we think about diet and optimal health, getting back to uh, Lee talked about this symphony. The you know I've been talking about the virus and the host, um, but another big uh, part of that symphony is is our is our microbiome as well. And there's a, a lot of really amazing science in terms of how the the microbiome is another factor that we really need to consider um, in terms of how we respond to food uh, and its role in chronic disease. So it's a really fascinating uh, new area of of excitement in the the world of nutrition and health. Emily, when is that webinar going to be? The first Thursday of of the month. Okay, so that's October 7th. Correct. October 7th. Um, It's going to be at 10 a.m. Pacific time, uh, all online. Registration is free. We want to make sure that this uh, fantastic information is available to as many people um, as as we can. Uh, We also will have the the webinars recorded for people who can't make uh, the time as well. But uh, the webinar series is in celebration of the 25th anniversary of the Institute at, uh, at Oregon State University. So it's just a, a great time to, to celebrate science and uh, ensure that that science gets out to, to everyone in terms of tools and um, education uh, for everyone around nutrition and health. So I think that's all the time we have for today. Thanks for joining us, Emily. Sure. Yeah. And if you want information about the, the conference, you can head over to um, our website. There is also an additional resource called the Micronutrient Information Center uh, that also has a, a whole section on nutrition uh, and optimizing your immune system. Uh, there's a whole, whole article um, on zinc that delves into even more depth of what I talked about today. So it's a, it's a great re- uh, resource for your listeners. So I have to add that I am a huge fan of the Micronutrient Information Center, and I use it in many of the classes that I teach, and I tell all the healthcare professionals that I work with to utilize this resource because it's so rare to have so much information, so much up-to-date information in one location that is actually digestible. You can read through it and understand everything that you're saying, uh, even for the layperson. And I think that 
is really quite an accomplishment. So I want to applaud you on that. No, great. We're, uh, the Micronutrient Information Center um, has been in existence for, for 20 years now, and it's just uh, an amazing resource that we continue to build and, and, and improve upon. And we really appreciate it. Thank you for that. This is a GW Integrative Medicine podcast from the GW Office of Integrative Medicine and Health. I'm Dr. Lee Frame. And I'm Janet Rodriguez. Thanks, Thanks for, for listening. listening.